Happy holidays and welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Our guest is Ahmad Nassar, president of NFL Players Inc., talking about one team collect of a new venture with venture capital and tech. NFL players getting into this space. Really interesting to hear about it. First, speaking of capital, word from Capital One. They know you've got questions about your credit, who's in charge of your credit score, how does it actually work. That's why there's the CreditWise app. You can check your credit score anytime you want, right in the app, free to everyone, Capital One customer or not. In fact, millions of CreditWise users have improved their score by 20 points or more. So download the app for free today. CreditWise availability will vary depending on ability to obtain your credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank. Learn more at creditwise.capitalone.com. On to Ahmad Nassar. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. I always try to take you inside behind the scenes of what's going on. Business, legal, topical, in-depth issues in sports. Something caught my attention this week. It was the One Team Collective, uh, an athlete-driven accelerator run by the NFLPA. And I wanted to sort of get behind it and see what's going on with it. So I'm lucky to have Ahmad Nassar, who's the president of NFL Players, Inc. So welcome, Ahmad. Good to have you on the program. Good to be here. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me on. Yeah, I think before we get to the One Team, a little bit about yourself for the listeners. I mean, I think everyone knows a lot about the NFLPA, and everyone knows the NFLPA leadership side and the negotiations with the uh, teams and the NFL about salaries, about free agency, about money, all that. But tell us a little bit about your background and the NFL Players, Inc. part of the organization. Yeah, so um, the NFL Players Association um, is well known as the labor union for uh, all the athletes in the NFL, so wages, hours, working conditions, collective bargaining agreements, uh, deflated footballs, allegedly deflated footballs, uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> Had to get um, that in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to, uh, you know, I have a legal background. I'm not a lawyer anymore, but but the legal background makes me put in that. Um, <laughs> okay. And, uh um, less well known, though, about the NFLPA is that that we own um, a for-profit subsidiary um, called NFL Players Inc. Um, that is really our commercial business, our commercial arm. Um, it does all of the licensing, marketing, content, sponsorships on behalf of um, uh, the the active players of, in the NFL. And so I run that. That's that's my day job. And um, so, practically speaking, what does that mean? Um, if anybody's played EA's excellent Madden NFL game, mm-hmm. uh, you may notice uh, an NFLPA logo uh, on the box um, or in the game. And the reason for, or, or in advertising uh, of the game, the reason for that is we license EA to use the likenesses of all 2,000 NFL players um, in in their game. Uh, similarly, if anybody owns a jersey. Um, if you look down at the hang tag, you will see not only a Nike logo and an NFL logo, but you'll see an NFLPA logo as well, because we license Nike uh, the right to use the player names and numbers, um, and then in um, advertising of those products uh, and other T-shirts and other apparel that, that Nike um, and other licensees make. So all told, those are our well-known licensees and people watching games see commercials from the likes of Bose and Microsoft and Gatorade and Pepsi. Um, uh, those are our sponsors. You will see our athletes in, in that advertising. You will often see our logo pop up. 
Um, the reason it pops up is we are um, uh, in business relationships with all of those companies. And so um, all told, we work with um, well over 100 companies. We work with every club in the NFL. We actually work fairly collaboratively with the NFL itself on commercial issues um, to make sure that our sponsors, our joint sponsors, um, are best served. Um, and so that's, that's definitely something that I don't think it's um, a lot of play out there. But uh, my counterparts at the NFL uh, and I have, um, have strong working relationships um, to, to ensure um, that the business is smooth. Um, and so all told, the, the NFL Players, Inc. business um, last year was, was our best year, and it generate, we generated $160 million um, in annual revenue. And that money goes to one of two places, all of which benefits the players. Um, mm -hmm. First, it goes directly out to the players. Um, every player, even if they don't do an appearance or don't have a jersey that gets bought, they get um, a share of the licensing revenue and, and, and marketing revenue. Um, and then players who do have jerseys sold and do appear in commercials or do appearances or sign autograph deals, um, they get additional money from that. And then the second bucket is the, the revenue that we generate covers the entire operating budget of the NFL Players Association, the union side of things. And so we fund the union and all of its programs and all of its um, – uh, benefits for the players. Um, so it's all geared to benefiting the players. Um, we're not a publicly traded company. We don't have outside investors. So really our mission starts and ends with benefiting the players. And over the last few years, we've been looking at how do we broaden that, and that, that led us to the One Team Collective. Really interesting stuff. A couple follow-ups from what you said. Number one, the, the licensing issue and your relationship collaboratively with the teams and the league. I think just to explain for listeners, the NFL, we think of deals with a Microsoft, with a Bose, et cetera, involving players, but you talk about the NFLPA aspect to it. And so if you could delve into sort of, are they joint deals? Are they obviously not being done separately with the same sponsor? And then the second follow-up I had with the revenues used towards uh, NFLPA operations I think a lot of people always ask and ask me, you know, with the resources spent on whether it's Ray Rice or Tom Brady and the two-year saga of legal actions with the deflate gate, is that coming from the revenues you mentioned in terms of covering that? So those, those two things, if you could follow up on. Yeah, so I'll take the last one first. Um, the, the other source of revenue for the NFLPA, um, and, and it's usually the only source of revenue for most labor unions is the member dues, right? right? So every union that we're used to hearing, and I'm sure um, uh, other union members, um, you know, maybe the UAW or um, uh, teachers union members might be listening to this podcast. And so they pay dues and those dues are what is used to fund union operations. We have the luxury and, and we're extremely thankful for it of not having to touch our member dues um, to run the organization um, at all. And what are, excuse me, what are the 2016 dues? Um, so in, I want to say 2014, we bumped it to $15,000. And then every year since then, I think it goes up three or three and a half percent. I'm not positive. So whatever that, you know, that the formula has made it kind of an odd number at this point. But and that's the same, that same for rookie, 
Same for a rookie and a 10-year vets. No difference, correct? Yeah, there's a difference between practice squad players and right. active roster players. But, yeah, that, the, yeah it, it is not a function. It's not a percentage of their salary. Right. Okay. And so those dues are saved um, by the union in our, um, you know, people call it alternately a war chest, the lockout fund, the strike fund. But we don't have to touch it to run the organization um, at all. Um, and so the rest, you know, the, the, the items and, and some of the costs that we have to bear, whether it's um, an educational program or an event that we might do around Super Bowl or a rookie, you know, incoming rookie event, um, that is all fun or legal bills. Yes, um, that is all funded by uh, the revenue that NFL Players Inc. generates. Hmm. Uh, and then your first question. Yeah, working with the league on these sponsorships. Yeah, so so it, it depends on the relationship. On the sponsor level, we have um, uh, an agreement with the NFL um, whereby we essentially jointly work with all of the sponsors, so the Gatorades, Microsoft, Bose, those companies. Um, on the licensing side, Nike, EA, so these are products that use players and league um, logos, team right. logos, that sort of thing. Um, those are separate deals. So companies like Nike have a license with the NFL that is independently negotiated between Nike and the NFL and a license with the NFLPA that is independently negotiated between Nike and the NFLPA. And then they combine those rights because what we're granting is the intellectual property rights in essence of right. the players of the NFL and the league is granting the intellectual property rights of the clubs of the NFL. And so Licensees like Nike and EA combine those rights to make their products. I see. Yeah, very helpful to explain all that. And, and now we get to what I noticed last week in the news, which seems to be a really exciting venture for you guys. You talked about NFL Players, Inc. being the commercial arm. It seems like you're getting into, I don't know, for lack of a better word, the venture capital world. It's uh, athlete-driven business accelerator. It just seemed very innovative. It seems something with some uh, interesting partners, the NFLPA starting this venture uh just seems like a, a real kind of uh, disruptor kind of venture, which is always catches my eye. I always look for the disruptors in this sports space. So talk about it, if we will. It seems like an intriguing thing going on. Yeah, well, thank you. And, and we take that word disruption as, uh, as a compliment. I know you meant it that way. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, the, so we, you know, again, we just – highlighting the, the starting and ending with, with the players and trying to enhance the value of what we do um, and what we generate and protecting their rights, um, everything really starts and ends with that. And, and it's been impossible to miss, um, one, just what's happening in the tech world and the startup community and private companies and, and valuations of everything from Uber and Snapchat and Facebook before they went public and Facebook after they went public. Right. And, and, and so that's just as a general business matter. But then in the sports world, it's also been impossible to miss. There are athletes like Carmelo Anthony, Kobe Bryant, David Ortiz, who announce um, venture funds, um, significant venture funds. And then there have been owners like Dan Gilbert um, and Ted Leonsis here uh, in, in the same city that I work in, in Washington, D.C., right. who have had similar funds. There, there are teams that have uh, established funds and incubators. Uh, the Dodgers have one that, that has been um, uh, uh, pretty well um, covered. Um, and the leagues themselves have had funds and, and um, 
things, activities that are really geared towards um, this area. And so we, we've been thinking um, for quite a while, I mean, essentially all the way back to 2011 when, when we were um, in the throes of negotiating the collective bargaining agreement. Um, and what we wanted to do was um, approach this in a way that was stuck to what we knew well, which, which is licensing, marketing, sponsorship, content, um, and intellectual property rights of our, our members, um, but was able to broaden the appeal of our business to that startup and earlier stage company community. Um, and so we started talking to people, and we talked to people in the venture fund community um, uh, and, and the VC fund community. We talked to um, folks on the academic side, uh, on the business side, um, and um, more on the research and marketing side. And they helped us over the last year more in earnest figure out what became the One Team Collective. And they helped guide us and um, the seven, uh, one, two, three, six founding partners that we have kind of represent folks from, from all of those different areas. Um, we've got Kleiner Perkins and Madrona Venture Group in the venture uh, capital fund realm. We've got Intel in the corporate realm, Harvard in the academic realm, uh, Sports Innovation Lab in, from a, a research and analytics angle, and Lead Dog Marketing Group as um, the sports marketing and experiential agency. And so they all bring different things to the table and have been instrumental in helping us figure out what the One Team Collective will look like. And so when we launched it last week, um, yes, we, we did a bunch of press around it, and, and some of that um, thankfully caught your attention. Uh, and that's great, but we really wanted to design this to be something that you didn't just hear about it on day one, and then you never heard about it again. And you know, a year from now, you say, "Hey, whatever happened to that thing the NFLPA was doing?" We, right. So what we're, we're doing to guard against that is we're partnering with the the, the group that I just um, uh, uh, listed out to do things like CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas next month. We have uh, presence there. Super Bowl week, we're going to have a presence um, where we do a pitch day. Um, so kind of think like a Shark Tank mm -hmm. type of, of, of um, uh, event. Um, we're going to have uh, – Harvard's going to host um, a competition slash conference um, type of event. And these are all things that we want to do every year um, so that we are able to create an ecosystem um, around the One Team Collective that isn't just about, hey, we've got a fund. Come talk to us if you need money. Um, we're able to provide much, much more than that. So with this partnership, and you mentioned the partners of the Harvard Innovation Lab, Kleiner Perkins, Caulfield & Byers, Lead Dog Marketing, Madrona Ventures, etc., are, you name it, uh, investors, companies, tech space people coming to you guys collectively? If they come to one, is it brought to the seven? How is it going to work in action? Yeah, so when, when we made the announcement last week, we also launched our website, OneTeamCollective.com. Right. That, um, that has information about what it is and who's involved, but also a relatively short application um, for any interested company. And I'm happy to say that in the seven days, the um, first seven days after we launched, we had 75 applications. We were hoping for 10 in our first month. Um, so that's, that's a great um, a great response so far. Um, but that's not the only, and, and many of those companies are companies that reached out 
um, to any one of, of those founding partners, um, right. the, the, the seven of us, including the NFLPA. And so the process from our standpoint is that we refer companies to the website, fill out the application that gets the ball rolling, because then we all get access to that. And we meet um, or have calls, and we just had one a couple days ago, regularly to review and see what's interesting and what we want to follow up on. Our folks at the NFLPA kind of take the, the laboring or on just, you know, managing the uh, uh, application, monitoring and getting back to people and, and, you know, kind of asking for more details. But it is a very collaborative discussion with all of the founding partners about what's interesting, um, what should be interesting, um, how do we want to handle XYZ requests, um, who's interested in what from a founding partner standpoint. And they, you know, they're not limiting themselves or their analysis to what's interesting to them. Right. They are helping us figure out what should be interesting to us, um, which is exactly why uh, we, we um, structured it the way we did. Um, and the deals are flexible, right? So companies that we work with, um, we looked at the model of um, what other folks in the space do. Um, and sometimes they have the cookie cutter type of deal where you come in, you get 100 or 150 grand of equity, uh, 150 grand of funding, and, and you give a set percentage to, um, you know, the LA Dodgers or Disney or whomever is hosting right. uh, or, or promoting the program. We, we wanted to shy away from that because that narrows the type of company that would be interested. So we, we do not have a standard deal. Um, we have a standard application and, you know, things that, that we know as a group we're interested in and some of the things like the competition that Harvard is going to uh, uh, host for us, um, those will have specific areas of focus tied to them that, that are able to then really kind of more focus um, what, what we're looking to get in those instances. But on a broad level, you know, if you go to OneTeamCollective.com, it's not going to say only companies that are doing um, stadium uh, uh, right. type of activities are, you know, what we're looking for um, at any given point in time. Of the 75 you got in the past week, that, which is awesome, that's really a, an incredible response. Without naming names, can you give an idea of kind of what kind of companies? Are they in the tech yeah. space, the sports nutrition space, maybe fantasy space, that kind of thing? Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. You're checking a lot of boxes. Um, yeah, there have been. I mean, the the surprises, if, if you know, if I sent you a list of the companies, would be um, some of the um, consumer product oriented um, companies um, that that don't really have a direct tie in to sports. Um, so you know, we had a restaurant group, I believe, apply. And I thought that was interesting, but but then I realized that you know the the I you know and, and, and look I'll be honest it's unlikely that that's going to lead to a deal, but it, it really kind of underscores the value because um, we work with Bose for example right and and um, Bose doesn't use player likenesses on their products right they have right. headphones that are certain colors and they have wireless and they have wired and over the ear and all those types of products. But the, the, the reason that any of those types of companies that don't use athletes in their products the way an EA or a Nike does is because the athletes are able to help promote the brand and promote the, um, uh, the affinity and drive sales at the end of the day. And that's true 
really in, in any line of business, and, and I said consumer-oriented, but it could even be true in, in enterprise-oriented, you know, business-to-business -business, um, type of companies as well. So the nice thing is that it really makes um, the landscape limitless for us in terms of what um, what we might see in the applications. But, I, I, you know, look, 70 out of the 75 are going to be tech, app, mobile, um, right. you know, uh, sports, wearables, right? That's a big one. Right. Uh, analytics, right. data, um, definitely fantasy, um, football-related, um, and, and other gaming-related, non-gambling, non obviously, um, but mobile games and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting. I, I'd say most of the interest, uh, no shock here, has been domestic, um, American-based mm -hmm. companies. Um, but several international, which was nice to see. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're excited, and we're still really in the process of evaluating that first wave. Yeah, I guess my final question would be on the sort of the player aspect of this. I see you have an inaugural board with some players. I see some guys I know, former players like Isaiah Kazavinsky and Donnie Jones, but also current players like Russell Okung, Kelvin Beecham, and, um, and Mark Herzlick. So, what is their role? And then I guess the, the, the follow-up to that is current players, will they have, lack of a better word, an inside track to this? Uh, I'm sure people approach them all the time with great ideas. Do they turn it over to you? I mean, what is going to be the yeah. ongoing relationship with current players and their use of this? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll take the last question first again. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, with, with, from a player standpoint, we're not the purpose of the one team collective is not to generate investment opportunities for for individual players um, right. for reasons i'm sure you are well aware of we cannot and do not promote any individual investment opportunities to players uh, and that you know startup investing and and early stage company investing is by definition very very high risk right um, we would we would never want um, players to view this as hey let me get a list of one-team collective companies and just go try to invest or call the NFLPA and say, hey, can I invest um, as part of this? Um, the answer to that to players has been no, and we've had a few inquiries about that. Um, but what we're really trying to build and, and why we have the Athlete Advisory Board to your first question, um, those guys are all folks. So earlier this year when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco or in, in the Bay Area, right. uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, we put together a series of events called, uh, we called it a tech tour. And we took um, players, you know. I remember that, yep. Yeah, close to 50 players. We took them to everywhere from Facebook and Instagram and Oculus to Twitter and Uber um, and Intel. Uh, and I'm forgetting uh, EA, of course. Right. Um, and and we, we, we went to all of these different companies. Not, you know, uh, our goal was to really not have it come across as a field trip, right? Um, because I, I really cringe, you know, when, when people pander right. um, to, to professional athletes, but to try to make it useful. And, 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 and also that was um, when we also um, had uh, some earlier discussions about what became the One Team Collective with players and people like Kleiner Perkins um, at the table. So the whole point of the, the, the visit was, yeah, we were going to walk around and see, um, you know, the cool sites at, at these companies' um, headquarters, but also have discussions about what can we do together, how does this work, 
um, what's interesting from what the companies are working on, where can we potentially add value. So, for example, EA uh, spent a lot of time talking to us about esports, right? And this obviously there's been an explosion there in the last um, few months, um, but, but has been on the radar for quite some time. And how do we leverage pro athletes in the context of e-gaming and what's going on there in esports? Right. And, and so, you know, we had players go do internships in the off-season um, at some of these companies. And so that, that kind of relationship and several of those players, Mark Herzlick, Calvin Beecham, um, were at, that, um, uh, uh, at those events. And so we knew they were interested in that, and we kind of went back to um, some of our lists, and, and obviously we, we had to narrow it down because there's more than the seven or eight guys who, um, who are interested in this stuff. Um, and we just said, look, we, we, we want to hear directly from, we, we always, you know, we think we know what players think, but why not ask them and why not involve them in the business and have them um, give us feedback. And, you know, so at CES, several of those guys are going to be there. Mm. Uh, um, and, and they're going to be there both as kind of ambassadors of what we're doing, the One Team Collective, but also to soak it all in and learn and develop their own relationships and professional network. Um, and so the idea, it kind of just goes back to what, you know, the, the, the One Team Collective, what we're really trying to do is build an ecosystem. So I told you about some of the events we're doing. Um, and, and so the other part of that is, from a player standpoint, we want them involved. We want them to learn about the business and to potentially be able to have career opportunities after they're done playing. Um, not necessarily as investors, but potentially working at these companies, right? right as right. as um, marketing and sales um, folks, and and you know, as any other type of role um, that they're interested in, um, and that the company's interested in. And then, obviously, part of what we're trying to do is also generate a good return on investment. And and you know, we're not going to lose sight of that. But I think part of what our view is, sets us apart is that it's not just about generating a good return on investment. It's also about providing um, these opportunities to players in the educational and career development standpoint and also that thought leadership and, you know, event type of, of activity as well. Yeah, and I know that to me and, and obviously your founding members, this is very exciting and, and so many opportunities. I, You know, players in the middle of the season, have you had much inquiry on this? Are they just too focused on the season right now? And do you expect... Uh, beyond, of course, the, the group you mentioned, a lot of players to sort of get involved. How can I get an internship? How can I get involved in this? Can I meet some of these companies? Is yeah. that starting to filter in? It, yeah, it's definitely been um, a big part. And, and of course, um, you know, Madrona is a great example. They, they're based in Seattle. And so they've actually done a lot of stuff locally with the Seahawks. Players. Oh, okay. Guys like Michael Bennett and Russell Lacoon before he went to Denver, uh, Earl Thomas, um, really interested in the business, and this was before we developed a relationship with Madrona. Um, so, yes, there's been a lot of interest. I think there will be more discussions after the season ends because, you know, the guys are busy working right now. Right. Uh, but a ton, in fact, I'm not exaggerating. A guy just texted me right now that he wants to follow up about the One Team Collective, um, and, and it's a, a current player. Um, and so that has been great, um, you know, from our standpoint because – I kind of figured, hey, look, it's the season. We, we obviously updated our player leadership, so our executive committee and our, our um, the union reps for each team. 
um, and the Athlete Advisory Board about what, what this is and what we're doing um, and why we're doing it. Um, but it's been nice to see the interest level from other players, current and former, since we went public. And I think, you know, we're going to look for ways to make sure that um, those players can be involved and, and kind of up to speed on what we're, what we're doing. That's great. And I, re I really am impressed with this. I think it's a good thing to do. And obviously it's going to be a, uh, impactful going down and, and happy to help if you need a judge for one of these uh, shark oh, tape great. things. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, in Houston or up at Harvard. I'm happy to do it. I've done those things before. Um, great. Ahmad, thanks so much. It's been really informative and uh, really interesting and glad you could be part of the Business of Sports podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. The College Football Playoff Semifinals, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington are in. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Saturday, December 31st on ESPN.